welcome to episode number 31 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are currently in a series dealing with finances, prayer, and faith, how they all go together. You really can't have one without the other. It's an old song that kind of sounds like that, but it's the truth. In reality, God wants to bless us financially, but we need to build a foundation of prayer and faith in order to receive the blessings the Lord desires for us. In this episode, we're going to deal with financial ethics. Probably we'll touch a little bit on how to avoid being scammed or have someone take advantage of our financial position. We'll also talk about the way we should deal in making decisions in our finances and rely upon God's word for direction in all these areas. So before we go any further, let's pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Heavenly Father, we need you today. We need you today as much as we did yesterday and as much as we'll need you tomorrow. So I pray now that you would intervene in this session today, that those who are listening, Father, would understand the significance and the importance of dealing with ethical decisions that will affect our future and our finances. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would intervene in all of our hearts and minds today, that you would guide this teaching, that as I read some of the scripture passages in your word, that they would come to life in my heart, in my mind, and in the hearts and minds of those who are listening. Thank you once again for this opportunity, Father, to teach based upon your word and under the anointing and direction of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I thought about teaching on the topic of ethics, it reminded me of a story. It's a fictitious story, but nonetheless, of two businessmen who were sitting down talking about this transaction they wanted to get involved with. The one looked at the other and he says, yep, that doesn't sound like an ethical problem to me, but relax, it's only a problem if you have a conscience. Then the other partner looks back and says, I think that's my problem. I really do think I might have a conscience. Even though it's kind of a make-up little story, there's a tremendous amount of biblical depth in what these two people were talking about. The Bible says that your sins will find you out. The Bible also tells us that that God weighs our thoughts and intentions. The Word of God instructs us that, that we should be fair to others and that we should not take advantage of other people. So there's a host of things that we can talk about in these this particular topic of ethics. So I'm going to get into the Word of God first so I stay focused. As in past episodes, our some of our best advice will come from the book of Proverbs. So I'm going to turn to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2 in my New Living Translation and just read this one little verse to you. Maybe maybe a couple other ones I may follow up with, but let's just take a little time and, and ponder and think upon these words. Verse 2, the Lord approves of those who are good. I would think he's applying to people who are ethical, but he condemns those who plan wickedness. That I believe the Lord is talking to in one way about people who are unethical. Verse 3 says, Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. Some of you may be asking, what does that all mean? So let's let's go back and kind of analyze some of this because I think it's really a good foundation to build when we're talking about ethics in, in our finances. The Lord approves of those who are good. God is always going to support and get behind those who are ethical people. If you're doing what's right, God knows it and he'll bless what's done right. If we know that we're doing something that's wrong, then we know that God will not bless that. And it goes on to say in the second part of verse 2, but he condemns those who plan wickedness. Now, he doesn't just say he doesn't like it. He doesn't say that he's uncomfortable with it or he kind of wishes that they hadn't wouldn't do that. What this says is he condemns those who plan wickedness. So what that means is that we turn the heart of God against us when we act unethical in business, 
in our finances at, at home, in our work with our employer, in the church that we attend, with our neighbors. It really applies to every area of our life, not just the area of finances. So a lot to be learned there and a lot to build a foundation on. Verse 3, it goes on to say, wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. Now, wickedness obviously is done by people who have a tendency to speak lies and untruths, and they have a difficult time covering up those lies. We know that when people are challenged in the area of lying and making up false truths, they have to keep on lying and continue to make false truths. And then they got to remember how they lied on this one and how they lied on that one and whether they're being consistent or not. So here the word tells us wickedness, or I call it unethicalness, uh, never brings stability. So there's always a question as to where are they coming from? You know, in all the years that I was a banker and I, I was blessed to spend 15 years in the banking industry, dealt with a lot of very successful people, a lot of very average working people, just generally a, just a lot of folks. And I have to admit, this probably was maybe three or four percent of my customers who were just downright unethical. They were dishonest. They were deceiving. They manipu- tried to manipulate the bank and they tried to take advantage of us. I used to think that maybe some of these people just weren't taught right as children. Like you'd get a customer who would come in and he would demand that we cash some check for him for $20,000. That was a, what we call a counter check. And I know a lot of you probably don't use checks much anymore, but I have to refer to what we're using in the day that I had that experience. And so they came into the bank with a check and they tried to cash it, but they didn't have any accounts. They had no relationship with us whatsoever, no banking connections at all. And they would ask us to take a chance on it and give them cash for a check that was out of state by someone we didn't know, cashing it to someone that we hardly knew at all. And they'd become very angry and they'd sometimes curse you out, go out of the bank, write the president of the bank and complain and try to file a complaint against you. And it was just went on and on and on. That's what I would call an, an, an unethical person, a person who doesn't have any kind of reasoning, doesn't have any kind of understanding. But this goes on to say, but the godly have deep roots. That means if we have ethics, we don't have to worry about lies. We don't have to worry about making things up. We don't have to remember and think about, now, what did I tell them the last time I talked to them? Or what did I say about that? Or is that what I told them would come out of this particular situation? Or if they bought that house, that they would get this? If it was a lie, then you'd have a difficult time remembering exactly how it was. But if you were truthful and you were open and you were transparent in your transaction, then you had what the Bible refers to it as deep roots, which is stability. In in a plant, the deeper the roots go, the more stability on the surface. If If a giant palm tree in Arizona can handle a 50, 60, 70 mile an hour wind without falling over, it's because it has a deep root status. It has a a deep tap root. It has one root that goes way, way, way down deep into the soil. A lot of smaller surface roots, but that great big one is the one that makes it stable. The same thing with the big saguaro cactus and things like that. They need a deep root. Well, we need a deep root in our financial plans, in our financial decisions, in and knowing that our finances are going to be handled by ethical people and that we are going to be an ethical people and be honest with them. As a banker, once again, I used to take a lot of applications for people who wanted to borrow money. And I would ask them questions like, how much do you make? And what are your payments on this? And what are your payments on that? And I would say that 95% of the people were exactly right. And that's what it checked out to be just like that. But there was that always four or 5% or so who you didn't know for sure what they were saying was correct. And you'd find out that no, that is not their income. And they do owe more than what they're telling us. And they're trying to make up a value on this house or this car so that they could get financing. 
That never runs well with a bank. It never runs well with the Lord. So if we want to have our finances blessed of the Lord, we must adhere to what was written in Proverbs chapter 12. The Lord approves of those who are good. Let's just say that's called ethical. But he condemns those who plan unwickedness. Once again, that's an unethical person. Wickedness, no ethics, never brings stability. But the godly have deep roots. I believe we need to put in deep roots to establish a foundation of ethical transactions in our financial planning. I know and and I know it with all my heart that God will bless that. Before I move on, maybe I should just slow down here a second and think about what is being ethical and what is being unethical. I guess there's just maybe a couple of words that will describe that. One is truth and the other one is a lie. It's just as simple as that. When we were young, we were taught at the store not to steal things. As a child, I can remember going to the little Chinese market down at the end of the street, and that was a big thing for me. I thoroughly enjoyed going in there, and I would have a few pennies in my hand, and I'd go in with my dad, and he would buy what he needed. Our mom would be there. She'd buy what she needed for the home, and I'd have a few pennies, and I would buy candy or gum or whatever. And back in those days, for five or six cents, you could get a little bag of, of stuff to take home. Well, one time I didn't have five or six cents. And I decided that I was going to get my candy anyways. So I grabbed some. I was probably five or six years old. I can remember it as if it was yesterday. I stuffed it in my pockets. And then I walked out of the store with mom and dad. I got in the car and everything was fine until we got home. And we got home. I think it was my mom was with me. And she said, "What? where did you get all that candy? And I probably said something like, at the store. And she said, well, I didn't buy that. And so, did you just take it? And I waved my, yanked my head up and down and said, yes, yes, I, I did. Well, why did you take it? Well, because I wanted it. Or I probably said something like, I like it. But then Mama got me back in the car. And we drove back to the little store. I walked in. She said, now apologize to the man and give him back the candy. The man behind the counter, I remember him saying, no, no, that's okay. He can have it. And she said, no, it's not okay. It's wrong. He's stealing. And she made me take the candy out. I know that I started to cry because I was found out. I don't know that I was crying because I was losing the candy as much as that I was caught. So I gave it back. I walked out the door, went home, and my dad and mom had a big talk with me when I got back. They, they basically were giving me one of my first major educational talks about ethics. They were teaching me what was right and what was wrong. Had they not done that, I may have gone on to be a teenager and maybe I would have decided that the best thing that I could do would be to take whatever I wanted. Maybe I would decide to go to a gas station and fill my tank and drive off without paying. Or possibly date a young lady and just see how much I could take advantage of her. Or possibly cheat on my tests at school. Or it could go on and on and on. And I could turn in from a teenager to going into the military and try the same thing. Or from the military going into a career and expecting everyone to give me everything. And that I don't have to be accountable to myself and responsible to other people. So it, it's something we need to teach our children when they're young. The Bible tells us to train up your child in the way they should go. So when they're old, they'll not depart from it, which simply means that, that they'll not depart from God, but it also means that they will learn something that has been embedded in them, that as they grow up, it'll carry on for the rest of their life. Now I think I'm going to talk a little bit about just simply ethics and def definitions that are out there. 
a simple ethic uh, definition would be something like this. It's a moral principle, a system or a plan of moral principles. And it's ethics are something that affects a group of people, how they make decisions and how they're going to live their lives. So ethics is also something that is concerned about how people will understand what's good and what's bad in their society. Now, when you look at that, that's kind of a broad definition and one that has some holes in it, I think, because there's a lot of folks today that are describing ethics as it's okay to take something as long as you need it more than they do. Uh, there are people out on the streets who will rob you because you're richer than they are. They will steal your watch from you because they feel somehow that they deserve your watch because they can't afford to buy one and you can, so they just take it from you. And it can go on and on like that. And that's, of course, that's just stealing. But it's something that a lot of folks in America don't understand. That applies to filing their taxes. Ethics applies to being married. It applies to the job that they have. It applies to how they negotiate with someone that they've hired to work on their house. It applies to negotiating a deal if you're a businessman to purchase product or to expand your business or how you imply uh, hire people and what you expect out of them that you want to have a code of ethics that's strong and moral well the, the only ethics plan that i know of that's going to last for centuries is found in the word of god there are certain religious groups who believe that it's ethical that if someone steals something you just cut their hand off and that's, that's their payment that you pay back. Well, we certainly don't agree with that one. There are other groups that believe that, that if people want to steal and to kill and to run rampage around people's homes and, and break in and burn them down, that that's okay too because it's payment that they deserve for something that they feel they were cheated out of. You know, it can go on and on because that's man's ethics. That's man's way. That, in all honesty, that is not from the Word of God. The Word of God said that we must think of others as being more important than ourselves. Now, think about that the next time you're negotiating purchasing a car. It also tells us if you have conflict with someone, you should pray for those who persecute you and come up against you. The Word of God tells us, forgive those who have trespassed against us. So therefore, the Lord will then forgive us of our trespasses. That's not what the world's value on ethics is. So I believe in lifting up a standard that is guaranteed, qualified, and supported by the Word of God. Here's an example. Proverbs 22, verse 1. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. You know, once again as a banker, I ran into hundreds of people who had great success. Financially, they were so well off. It was incredible to see how many millions and millions of dollars they had made. But in almost every case with those people that were had great wealth, they were very strong, reputable business people. They were honest. Their employees loved working for them. They had a, a standard of ethics that was honorable and helpful to those they worked with. Yet I had others who maybe were always trying to get rich, trying to, and there were few of them, but trying to make the big hit. They'd come in with some crazy idea or some scheme of how to get rich quick and felt that somehow the bank wanted to get 
involved with that and want, if we could loan the money, the old saying, saying goes, with my ideas and your money, we'll all do well. Well, when they come to the bank with one of these quick get-rich schemes, which could be identified very easily, you wouldn't be able to help them. There was no in the way I no way that I could support them, could loan them the bank's money. It wasn't my money anyways. It was the bank's money and I had to be careful with it and make sure that I was dealt honestly with it. Probably one of the things that bothered me most of all when I was a banker would be when a Christian would come in and they would meet me at church. They'd come into the bank and, and try to strike up a friendship. And most of the times it was a, a good situation, but every once in a while there'd be a Christian who was just not an ethical person. And they would want to go have lunch and talk and visit. And the next thing you knew, they had some kind of a plan or a program. One guy thought he could start his own bank. And he said, I'd like you to be president of my bank and we can go ahead and form an insurance company and that insurance company will insure all the money that people deposit in our bank and we'll both become wealthy. And I looked at him and I said, no, that's called fraud. I can't do that. And he looked at me like, what do you mean fraud? It's, it's fair. Well, it wasn't fair. It wasn't proper. It would never be approved by the federal banking division, if you want to call it that, the FDIC. The bank authorities, they would never approve something like that because it was not a solid program. I remember on one particular occasion, this is probably the most extreme that I ever had, a man came in and he was not a believer. He came in and he sat down with me and he was just really nice and friendly and talking a lot. He said he was from the Midwest and that he wanted to set up a business and he wanted to borrow some money. And I said, well, that's great. We got to talking and my lending authority was pretty high and I was able to make pretty sizable loans without checking with someone else. And I think he was aware of that. And he said he needed something like a half a million dollars to start this business. And I couldn't get any kind of information from him that, that would justify making that type of a loan. So I asked him this one question. I said, well, how do you intend to pay this back? Where's the income going to come from to, re to pay this loan back? And he looked at me and he said, no, you evidently don't understand. He said, what I want to do is you loan me $500,000 and then I'll give you back $50,000 in cash that you can keep for yourself and do what you want to, take your family on vacations, buy a new car, whatever you'd like. And then I'll come back in again. And when that loan comes due, you can renew it and then give me another $500,000 and I'll give you another $50,000. And he says, he says, I make money, you make money and everybody wins. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I only have one word for that and that's called fraud. And I said, why don't you just sit here for a second and I'll call the police and ask them come down to the bank here and I'll love, let have them join this discussion. Matter of fact, I might want to have the attorney general's office come down here and we'll have a nice discussion about this and see where we're going to go from here. Well, he looked at me kind of funny. He said, no, that's okay. I'm gone. And he got up and he walked out. As he walked out the door, I got his license plate because I thought this guy's going to go around and scam somebody else. He's going to trick somebody else and someone might fall for that and wind up going to prison with him. Well, sure enough, he was a dishonest man. He had a terrible background, and some people think it was associated with some type of an organized gang of some kind, a criminal element. And he went around banks all over the state, and he was able to find a bank in a small community and a banker who bought into his program. And he was borrowing money and getting paying back the banker for acquiring that loan. The banker was putting the money in his own pocket, and after a period of time, I think it was less than a year, the bank became aware of it, found out what was taking place. And the banker, who I obviously knew, closed up his bank, locked up his desk, took off and wound up hiding up in the mountains to try and hide away from what was going on. Well, it was just a short period of time and law enforcement found him, 
prosecuted him, and he went to prison. That is, my friend went to prison. The man who took the money, the man who borrowed the money, was never convicted of any crime and went about business on an everyday basis. Now, I think there's several things that went wrong here. One was obviously a lack of integrity, a desire to get rich quick. Greed must have driven this individual who took the money. And basically, a family was destroyed, a marriage was destroyed, lives were torn apart, a good man went to prison, and all because of a lack of basic, solid, biblical integrity. You may be wondering how these big stories and these things that have happened, which are, by the way, they're true stories. And you may be wondering, how can that affect me? What does that have to do with my life? What does it have to do with how I handle my transactions and my finances? And, and how can prayer and, and faith change that? Well, this entire podcast series is devoted to finances requiring prayer and faith. We cannot have ethics if we don't have a prayer life and live a life of faith and trust in God. We cannot be a trustworthy person without prayer and faith. God has no obligation to bless us and help us to prosper in all things, even as our soul prospers, if we do not establish a solid line of ethical dealings, transactions, and decisions and have a foundation of prayer and faith. So I guess it's It's your decision, and it's my decision. What type of life do we want to live? Will we gain by understanding what Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 says? Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. There's God's plan for ethical dealings in our finances. Will we operate according to Proverbs 22, 1? Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Verse 2 says, The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. You see, God knows that he gave us choice. We're allowed to make decisions. Matter of fact, we cannot become a Christian unless we choose to be so. God doesn't just sit down and say, Okay, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. No, you're not, you're not, you're not. No, that's not how it works. God gave us the free will to make the decisions in life to whether we accept him as Lord and Savior, whether we live an honorable life, whether our name is strong and we we are loyal to other people. Loyalty is something that I see drifting away in America. We need to teach our young people to be loyal, to be faithful, to be faithful to the house of God and be loyal to people and to, to their friends. God is loyal to us and his loyalty, he printed out in a textbook, a manual, an instruction manual that tells us how to live our life. I just I just cannot imagine not having the Word of God. To be someone walking around in this world today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, a person who doesn't understand that the Word of God is our instruction manual on how we can live and has the answers to any situation that we'll ever face in our life, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be financial, or whatever. So we have that choice today. If you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, you could surrender right now and just say, I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask it in Jesus' name. 
If you just prayed that, just that one little thing, and believe it with your heart and your mind, then you've become a new person. If you're a believer and you're struggling with your financial challenges right now, first of all, evaluate your ethical decisions. Matter of fact, I made a statement in an earlier podcast that we we are currently today facing or living with a financial plan that was made up from all the decisions that we've made ever since we've been an adult and had the ability to make our own decisions on our finances. So the the total sum of all the decisions you've made on finances, that you're living the results of that right now. Yes, there can be things like a divorce, or yes, there can be something like an illness or a job loss or economy dropping down. Yes, those things can happen. But even those, if those things happen, if we're steady and trustworthy, a person who, who builds a great reputation, the Bible says, is more important than great riches. A person, person who's faithful to the house of God, a person to, who leans and trusts on the Lord with all their heart and leans not on their own understanding in all their ways they acknowledge him. God will bless them. There's no doubt about it. There's no question in my mind about it. So in, in dealing with the issue of ethics, let's understand that, that God is a God of ethics. God is not unethical about anything. God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So we have to believe and trust his word. Everyone in this world has to make a decision on how they're going to handle their finances and whether they're going to pray or not and whether they're going to have faith or not. So I encourage you today, would you just take this teaching and receive from it? Take the word of God that tells us how we can live an overcoming life, a life filled with joy and laughter, a life that is has endless blessings. Honestly, I've had a lot of challenges in my life. I've had several occasions where I was told physically I was not going to survive. One time it was within a couple years I would die from kidney failure. A second time was because I might die in six months because of cancer, bone marrow cancer. And and these things have happened in my life. But you know, that doesn't change God at all. And it doesn't change my faith at all. It doesn't change my hope for living eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ and being reunited with all the foes that I've loved over the years. That's not going to affect how my life is. Paul taught us in the Word of God where he tells us that the Apostle Paul said that I've learned how to live with all things. I've learned how to be rich and I've learned how to be poor. I know what it's like to go hungry. I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what's when he's basically saying, I know when I had a nice house and a nice cart with a with a horse to draw it or an ox to draw it, whatever it was. And I had all the stuff that I needed. He had good finances, but he also knew what it was like to be in prison alone. But his greatest results, his greatest works that Paul ever achieved was while he was in prison, while he was going through the, some of the greatest challenges he's ever had. So if you are going through challenges today, I believe this could be one of your greatest moments. This could be a time when you stand up and you trust God with all of your heart and you believe that God is able. You may be going through the face of a bankruptcy or a divorce right now and wondering, how is this going to help him? Just do what's right. Always do what's right. And God will always do the right thing for you. So before I close this up today, I'd just like to pray for you. I want to believe with you that God will meet your need where you are right now. And that from this teaching and from reading his word, listening to this word and listening to this series, you'll receive some strength and be blessed by it. Father, I pray a blessing upon everyone who's listening today. And I do pray, Father, that they would prosper. I pray, Lord, if they're having physical problems, that healing would flow through their bodies in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, if they need financial help and strength and financial decisions, that you would bless them, Father God. That, Father God, you would connect them with the right people or give them the right opportunities, Father, to, to make the income they need to supply their needs. I pray, Father, if there's people that are making good income but they just seem to run out of money all the time, Lord, that you would help them to learn discipline 
to learn to discipline their spending and to prepare a good budget and go back and listen to some of these podcasts dealing with your finances and dealing with how to get out of debt and how to have a proper financial plan with God. Lord, I believe, Lord, you're going to bless them. And I believe there's going to be great results, Father, from this teaching today. And I'll thank you for it in advance and give you all the praise now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you for listening in today to this podcast on financial ethics. Just as simple as that. It's just a part of our entire series on dealing with how our finances need prayer and faith. So I would encourage you, if you need additional information on this, to subscribe to my podcast on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now my webpage, in addition to the other, my webpage is found at davidcfriendauthor.com where you can have a link to, to subscribe to my weekly newsletters and locate the books that I've written on issues such as generosity, what's in it for me, or experience the joy of debt-free living, and books on faith and trusting God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. My next episode will be entitled, Hard Work Brings Prosperity. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.